Welcome to the Fab Academy recitation. So in the sequence of these, uh, which um, if you're looking at vnc.fabacademy.org, I'm navigating through, there's a lectures link and these get recorded. And so the recitations have been very important both for the moment but more for the records you leave behind of the supplemental material. On April 24th, Jean-Michel and Tomas led a session on Academeni, the suite of classes. And the first biggest and most important of the new one is the bio class. And so we have a great team of faculty to present Bio Academy to help you understand what it is, why it is, and possibly why you might want to participate. And so Jean-Michel will coordinate. Take it away, Jean-Michel. Thanks, Neil. Um, so I'll just go over <clears throat> who will be presenting today and what we'll be talking about, and I won't take much of your time, um, <clears throat> and then we'll just kind of dive into it. <clears throat> so Neil, I actually um, would like to get back to you first a little bit um, to talk a little bit more about how this came to be, how it grew out of the Fab Academy, uh, and then we're going to go to David Song, who has been very active in, uh, in Bio Academy since the start, with an overview of the classes and the subjects, so we're going to do a sort of a high-level overview of uh, what is all the stuff that you learn about and the stuff that you do? Um, and then we'll go to Kate Adamala, who teaches one of the classes called uh, Synthetic Minimal Cells. And she's going to dive a little bit deeper into what that actually means. Uh, so we get a sort of an in-depth look of what one class looks about. Uh, if we have time, we'll also go to Fiorenzo Manetto, who's um, the head of our lab here, who teaches a class on biofabrication. So uh, he teaches people how to make things with silk. Uh, then we'll go to Scott, who's one of the students. We'll have three students at the end, uh, Scott, Dave, and Romain. Uh, Scott will talk a little bit about setting up your lab for bioacademy. So how do you get ready? What kind of stuff do you need? Uh, and then both Dave and Romain uh, will talk a little bit about their work. So what did they actually do in the classes? Uh, how did they get their homework done? And um, I don't know exactly what they'll talk about because I just asked them to talk about their favorite subject. So uh, we'll, we'll learn whatever that is today. Um, so this is all in the context of the, the Academeni, right? So we're, we, we talked about the Academeni last week, um, and there's going to be more and more programs that are part of that. And the idea is that if you've done one, it's easy to enroll for another, and they really link to each other. So I really feel that Bioacademy and Fab Academy uh, both have very much the same ideas and principles behind it and empower you to do a lot of things. So um, they, they look maybe separate classes, but the overlap is enormous. Um, so that being said, that's the people who are going to talk today. Um, we'll go back to you, Neil, for about five minutes so you can talk about how this came to be, and then we'll switch to David. Okay. So um, uh, biohacking and maker hacking are right next to each other. Lots of bio labs, lots of fab labs have bio projects, um, but the connection is much, is, is includes that, but is much deeper. Um, one kind of connection is the recursion of, along with machines making machines, fab labs can make bio labs. And um, what I've learned over the years is many of the products for labs biologists buy are expensive and don't work well. And so there's just a great opportunity for making bio instrumentation much more accessible. But then below that, there's a much deeper level, which is Molecular biology 
does absolutely everything we're learning in digital fabrication. And so in the research I'm involved with at MIT, one of my students, James Pelletier, was part of the collaboration on the mycoplasma genome and a group of researchers worked with um, George Church on um, uh, the Recoli project. Uh, and so there are a number of these projects very directly doing digital fabrication at molecular biological scales and then blurring those boundaries, stretching how you can concode with biomaterials and expanding the spaces you can do with it. And so there's this much deeper connection that biofabrication is digital fabrication. It's really the same core ideas on different length scales with different materials. And so with that as background, for many years I, um, I and colleagues had collaborated with George Church. And then there was an interesting time who's um, most of you know George, maybe you know, one of the leading geneticists. George came for a visit at the South End Technology Center Fab Lab. And we were talking, and I was telling him about Fab Academy, and he was very interested in the idea of fan out, that he can teach his classes, and not many people get to study with George. Um, you can't do hands-on wet biology in front of a computer as an online class. You really need a network uh, collection of labs, just like we had made in um, Fab Academy. But it was clear to do this unlike the first class, how to make that I do, it wouldn't work for George to do everything. And so that led to the idea of putting together a work group with um, Dave Kong and Jean-Michel uh, working with George, and then this dream team of faculty, each covering a topic. And so there's this nice distributed work group of the faculty coordination, George curating, to extend the model of the Fab Academy into the Bioacademy. And that, in turn, is what helped inspire the idea of Academeni, the network of classes. Um, Bioacademy is, I'd say, still in the bootstrapping phase. It was a couple year cycles through Fab Academy before all the content settled and the workflow settled. And so Bioacademy has gone through, I'd say, like one and a half complete cycles and is just really beginning to settle down to this steady state model with a lot of interest in buying in and just beginning its version of the uh, exponential scaling curve. Um, so that's what Bioacademy is. Loosely, not exactly, but loosely the goal is Fab Labs can make biolabs and then teach biotechnology and master these very fundamental skills for biological fabrication. Um, for me, I think one of the most interesting parts of Bioacademy is it wasn't taking a Harvard or MIT class and distributing it. It was creating this globally distributed class that no one institution could teach. And we've had the reverse problem, that now Harvard or MIT students say, wait a minute, I want to be able to take this. How come I can't do it? And how do, how do we bring it back uh, onto campus? Because it's really beyond any one institution, I think, to, to, to really pull all this together. So that's what Bioacademy is. Um, now I'll go back to Jean-Michel and who's next. Thanks, Neil. Um, so next we're going to go to Dave. Um, so uh, David Kong has been super active in getting all the faculty together and really is working with George um, and me also trying to create a coherent sort of list of uh, classes where there's really the idea of an experimental train running through all of those. And he's the best person to talk about sort of the higher level what does this all mean and how does it fit together? So um, 
You have about 10 minutes to do that, uh, David. I'll, I'll let you know when you have one minute left. Is that okay? That's perfect, yeah. And uh, I'm going to full screen my, um, my presentation now. So let me know if you guys can see that. Okay. David, you're not pushing your screen. Oh, uh, let me go do that. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Put the button here. The, the green box with the white arrow. Uh, okay. Screen share. Is that? Oh, now I select the window I see. Okay. Okay, now, now you're pushing. Okay, great. Do you see? The, okay, you're seeing the full screen? Uh, now, now we see uh, HTGAA slide. Okay, great, great, cool, cool. Is it the presenter view or are you seeing the full note, the full... Uh, right now, we're just, it's not the presenter view. view. We're seeing the app with the navigator on the left and the slide, but it, it is fine. We see the content. Okay, perfect, perfect, great. Um, so yeah, so good morning everybody. So my name is David Kong. I'm a you know, synthetic biologist at MIT. I'm back at the Media Lab now working on a new uh, community biotechnology initiative and, and how to grow is such an uh, important part of um, you know, really how we're kind of pushing biotech out into the world beyond traditional academic and um, corporate and uh, government institutions. And so uh, it's been a great privilege to work with uh, Jean-Michel and George and Neil on setting up this class. And the class really is about biotechnology across scales. Um, I'll go into the depth about the, uh, the curriculum in a minute, um, but we really do explore uh, the full scope of biotech from uh, all the way from DNA synthesis all the way to ecosystem engineering and everything in between. So it's a really ambitious course, and it is led by this uh, really kind of all-star crew of faculty. And so, um, you know, I wanted to give you guys just a little bit of framework. And again, you know, with the Fab Academy and the Fab Lab Network, you're all very familiar with the maker movement. And as Neil said, uh, you know, where there's a really kind of intimate connection between what's happening with makers and, uh, and also with, with BioFab and, and, uh, and kind of this larger network of community bio folks. And so to give you a sense, um, you know, this is a, a picture from a Nature article in 2010. So this is where right, Carl Dave, uh, we're not updating. Oh. We're not updating with you. Um, oh. Uh, I think the best thing you can do is, um, rather than a window, share your full screen. So stop presenting. Um, you have an option to share your full desktop and then go back to presenter view so we can see what you're seeing. Okay, so okay. there's screen share. How do I share my full desktop? It, it gives uh, you two choices. One is to select a window and one is to send your whole desktop. Okay, so let me do that again. So screen share, I can... It just says start screen share. Do you see my screen? So right now we see your screen. Uh, is, are the slides updating if I do that? They're not updating. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, what, yeah, what you yeah, need to do is... Jamie Joe, go yeah, I think I think we should just go on like this because I mean there, there's little less than seven minutes left. So yes, yeah. So Dave, let me let me, let me. Yeah. Again, yeah. Just click on the slides in the navigation view like that, and that'll be fine. Okay. Cool. All right. Perfect. So, anyways, what I was saying before, uh, you know, there is this this really kind of amazing movement around um, you know bio and non-traditional spaces, and this is Rob Carlson from 2010. The era of garage bio is upon us. Uh, you know, this is Rob inside his garage with all of his laboratory equipment. And, uh, you know, from that moment, 
you know, we moved to a, a much more kind of network set of these community spaces. 2010 saw the emergence of, uh, you know, GenSpace uh, in Brooklyn, BioCurious in, in Sunnyvale. And so, so this is really kind of the start of this really independent network of, of folks. And, and many of them, you know, were connected with, uh, you know, kind of the broader maker movement. So folks that had done a lot of software hacking and, and digital fabrication hacking and were now moving into to biological hacking. And now we're starting to see bio in really interesting places. So, you know, San Diego's opening up uh, bio labs in their, in their uh, libraries. There's mobile bio labs on buses. Uh, many of you have probably heard about uh, iGEM, which is the International Genetically Engineered Machines Competition. Um, this is probably the biggest network of um, academic spaces that's doing some type of, uh, of bio in a real networked way. And so, you know, all of that to say, you know, right now worldwide, uh, there are about 100 plus of these labs, right? So it's a really kind of growing emerging network with, with a lot of, of uh, you know, kind of uh, excitement and enthusiasm and energy. Um, but, you know, to remind you all, right, you know, the Fab Lab network, and, and actually, Neil and Jean-Michel, what is the number right now? You know, I say 1,000 plus, but do you guys yes. have a number? Yeah, 1,000 is a good number. It's a bit over 1,000. Okay, a bit over 1,000. So, you know, there's about 10 times more Fab Labs than actually community bio labs in the world. And so, you know, for me, one of the, you know, kind of really uh, exciting moments about trying to help, uh, you know, pull together Bioacademy was this idea that through the Fab Lab network, we can scale uh, this, this, this kind of movement around community biology, uh, you know, even more, uh, more rapidly. And so, you know, with the class, uh, you know, again, we really cover this, this kind of uh, larger, larger, uh, you know, kind of trajectory of, of biotech. And it starts with principles and practices. And again, biosafety and biosecurity is one of the most important aspects of, uh, of doing work in a, in a non-traditional independent laboratory space. And so Neil and Megan Palmer, who's a security uh, specialist and fellow at Stanford, kick off the entire course. And I should say, this is the 2016 flow. Uh, we're currently, as Jean-Michel said, we're working on um, kind of modifying and adjusting the flow for 2017. Um, but this is what we went through in 2016, which will give you a really good flavor of the topics. Um, and then um, I teach um, the first technical class on hardware. And so this is really what Neil's saying about kind of bio, uh, about Fab Labs making bio labs. And I should say, you know, what we're doing for 2017 is the plan is to move this topic into the first course and to basically have bio labs or Fab Labs making bio labs be an essential critical part of the class throughout. So we make sure that we're embedding both principles and practices, the safety and the security stuff with the Fab Labs making bio labs into every single class going forward. Um, uh, then our first real technical bio class is on uh, next generation synthesis, which is led by Joe Jacobson, who is my uh, PhD advisor and the founder of a number of, uh, of uh, companies around uh, DNA assembly and DNA synthesis. Um, and then after you kind of learn how to synthesize DNA, we learn um, how to make interesting structures out of it. So William Shee from the Beast Institute has led a really amazing course on DNA nanostructures and DNA origami. Um, and then uh, following that, we start moving into kind of more complex uh, systems looking at synthetic minimal cells. And so Kate, who uh, was uh, also at the Media Lab for a bit and is now a professor at the University of Minnesota, uh, she's going to tell you more about uh, in depth about synthetic minimal cells in a moment. Um, from there, uh, we have George, uh, who then teaches a class on biodesign, diversity, and selection. Um, this is a picture of Charles Darwin. Um, and this is George. Yeah, I never noticed how, how, they're, how they're converging. They, isn't it amazing? It's, it's really amazing. So, so George is kind of the chiral Charles Darwin. So, uh, and, and in many ways, they're, they're such appropriate kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, connections over, over the centuries. Um, and so, so this is George's kind of tour de force on biodesign. Um, and then uh, from, from this class, uh, we shift over to bioproduction. So now that you've kind of learned how to 
uh, design uh, larger pieces of DNA that when you put them into organisms can give those organisms new functions, new properties. Uh, we focus particularly on this kind of motif of cells of the factory. So one of the big things that's happening in synthetic biology and biotechnology today is, as, as Neil mentioned, you know, really leveraging uh, cellular machinery and living systems as a manufacturing platform to build, uh, you know, kind of the world around us. And so Ginkgo Bioworks is uh, one of the forefront companies in synthetic biology that's focused on metabolic engineering. So engineering uh, bacteria, yeast, uh, and plants, and so on to actually produce molecules. And so Patrick Boyle, who's kind of the uh, Johnny Ives of, of uh, synthetic biology, he's the lead organism uh, engineer for, for um, or organism designer for Ginkgo, uh, gives an amazing lecture here. Um, after you learn how to manufacture things, we then focus a bit on sensing. So uh, one of uh, George's former students, uh, Vatsan Raman, who's a professor at Wisconsin, uh, teaches us about protein engineering and how to use proteins as a, as a way to do molecular sensing. Um, next, George and uh, John Glass of the J. Craig Venter Institute teach a class on genome engineering. So John Glass has been at the forefront of all of these kind of genome engineering projects. Uh, and really, uh, you know, when you think about both synthesis and the ability to manipulate genomes, as, as Neil was mentioning, putting them into organisms and booting them up, uh, John's really kind of the world expert in that. And, uh, and this is really kind of a foundational class and also really gets into a lot of CRISPR, uh, which is a genome editing technology, which many of you may have uh, heard some about. Um, the next course is one focused on uh, sequencing techniques, right? So we've spent kind of the whole class up until now focusing on writing DNA and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of focusing there. Uh, but what about reading DNA and being able to really kind of perform uh, sensing and imaging? And so here, Kevin Doherty, who is uh, one of Georgia's students and now is starting a, a company on this technology, uh, 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 leads us into physique. Um, and then uh, in the next course is we start shifting scales, right? So we've been focusing really pretty much on, on kind of uh, in, on cells and, and colonies of, of, uh, of individual cells, and then we kind of shift over and start looking into tissues. And so Nina Tandon, who has founded a company called Epibone, uh, teaches about um, how to basically grow different types of organs. And the real kind of uh, wonderful parallel class with that, again, as Jean-Michel mentioned, is the course I taught with, with Theo at Tufts on 3D bioprinting, where we learn about silk, and we learn about um, how to, uh, you know, both engineer and manipulate cells to, to create really kind of uh, beautiful uh, structures uh, in three dimensions. And, um, uh, and then going into the last two technical classes, I teach a course on engineering the, uh, the gut microbiome. So again, when we think about um, kind of complexity across the scales of, of biotechnology, uh, you know, instead of looking at just individual uh, organisms, uh, really looking at complex communities. And the gut is really uh, one of the most complex communities of organisms that we have in the biosphere. And so uh, we really dive into details of that. And the final technical class is on, on a really amazing technology called Gene Drives, uh, led by Kevin Esvelt at the Media Lab. And here we're looking at using a, a specific application of CRISPR where you can take a particular trait that you're interested in driving through a wild population of organisms and, uh, and using this, uh, uh, um, this CRISPR-Cas9 technology um, as a way to do that. And so there's a lot of really kind of profound ethical conversation and implications as well and connects really uh, and, and kind of full circle back to course number one on safety and security and all of the issues that we should be thinking about as biotechnology kind of proliferates and moves out into uh, spaces and hopefully uh, fab labs uh, near you. Um, and so we wrap and up. Uh, yes, yeah, so we'll ahead. have to move on. So. Okay, all right, sorry. And so anyway, so the final class is just on uh, presentation. And just to close out and say here that, um, um, again, we're, we're really working on, uh, on streamlining the entire syllabus uh, for 2017 and de debugging protocols and so on for you guys. Um, I want to just, uh, I'll zip through these pictures from just some, some of the class pictures just to say 
Um, you know, George is, uh, um, many of you may not know this, but George is actually the subject of a new book uh, by Ben Mesrick, who's written books on the MIT Blackjack Club and uh, the Social Network, which turned into huge movies. Uh, Wooly is coming out in July, and uh, George is, again, he's, he's uh, you know, one of Time's 100 most influential people now. And uh, this, book, this is going to be turned into a movie uh, with hopefully Tom Hanks starring as George. So it's going to be a really big blockbuster movie in the next, like, two years or so. I've got an advanced copy of the book I met Ben uh, a couple of days ago. And so, uh, you know, George is an amazing guy to work with. And, uh, you know, again, we're really, really excited about 2017 and hope, hope for you all to join us on this next adventure. So. I think and guy, George is excited. Really yeah, and yeah. George is excited about you all. I think you know he, he's excited to have this sort of new channel in Fan Out. He's incredibly yeah. excited. I don't want to, you know, just to really emphasize, you know, George is a, uh, um, you know, he's at the forefront of so much of this technology, and uh, the, the ability to connect with you all, I think, is is really one of the most exciting things he's working on now. So, so yeah. Okay, who's next on the show? Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, so we're going to go to Kate Alamala. Kate, are you on? So, Kate, star six to unmute on the bridge. Um, let me see if I can and jump Kate, in to get her off. You have to share your screen via the Google Hangout. Um, she's on MCU. I'm jumping on to that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, conferences. Kate, remember star six? Can can you talk so we can? Um, she's unmuted on the bridge, but Kate, you're not sending us any audio. The bridge is showing no audio coming from you. Um, uh, make sure your client has the right microphone source. You're not sending audio out. You know what we're going to do? Um, Scott, are you on? Yeah, I am. Okay, Scott, we're going to start with you, and then I'll, I'll send uh, Kate a link to uh, to connect to the right one. So Scott Pono is one of the students who took Bioacademy, and he'll be presenting for about 10 minutes about um, how he, he was setting up the lab for Bioacademy and uh, how he got ready to actually be able to do it. So, uh, Scott, whenever you're ready. Okay, and Scott, there are two issues with Kate. She was on the wrong bridge, but she's also not sending audio to the bridge. Or, um, okay, go ahead, Scott. Yeah. Okay, so can you see the slides okay? Setting up your lab for Bioacademy. Cool, okay, so um, yeah, as um, Jean-Michel was saying, I was a student, it was in the beta year, so in uh, 2016, the fall of 2016. Uh, and my background, I'm, I'm actually a geneticist like George, but uh, not quite as well as famous. Nobody's gonna write a woolly book about me. Um, but I've been working in the field for about 30 years or so. And so I've got experience setting up um, commercial labs, academic labs, and um, also DIY bio labs. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Open Science Network, which is Vancouver's first community bio lab. And we're modeling ourselves after GenSpace and BioCurious in the in uh, California and New York. Um, and so I'm basically going to uh, run through quickly about how to set up uh, a uh, lab for Bioacademy. Um, so there's uh, a few areas that you have to think about. Um, uh, so a very important area is hardware. Uh, and I'll, I'll cover each of these things in a little bit. So hardware, biomaterials, that's the DNA that you're going to work with. Um, 
uh, maybe some of the enzymes, proteins, uh, and then there's also the consumables, like the uh, plasticware uh, tips and things like that that you need to get. So th this is kind of like the, uh, the circle of, of the things that you need to think about when you're trying to set up a lab. Uh, I've also pushed off to the side bioservices uh, because you're not going to have your lab up fully functional to be able to do a lot of things. And there are a lot of companies out there where if you want to do some sequencing and you don't quite have that up and running in your lab, you can actually outsource it for relatively inexpensive cost. And of course, uh, everybody's around the world. So um, I'm located in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, so I'm kind of got a Canadian centric view on this, but you guys, Google's your best friend. You know, go there, search to find out what um, resources you have. So what is a lab? Um, on the left, uh, you can actually see my home lab. Uh, so uh, this is a very basic. All you need is just a bench to be able to put stuff on. Uh, it could be your, your kitchen countertop. It could be your, um, your desk in your office or whatever. On the right is the um, most recent view of Open Science Network's lab. Um, uh, the fellow on the right there in the black with his hands up, that's Andrew Pelling. He's uh, one of the 10 um, uh, senior um, uh, TED fellows. We just finished the TED conference here in Vancouver. So he uh, popped into our lab to give us a chat on uh, uh, some of the work that he's doing. Really interesting guy. Um, okay, so hardware. You know, this is kind of the crux of uh, getting your lab started. And, and the cool thing is that Fab Labs, you guys do this really well. You know, um, you may not know what to make just yet, but you will as you go along in this course. Um, and so uh, it's really the three options are make, um, which is what you guys can do, buy, um, so there's a lot of equipment out there and there's a lot of um, ways that people can get stuff. Um, and then, of course, donations. So we're a nonprofit and it's amazing once we put our shingles up, how many um, uh, places started to offer us some stuff that they don't need. So we've got some pretty old um, uh, equipment. I've got a really nice um, uh, spectrophotometer that's uh, about uh, 25 years old. You know, it's an artifact, but it works. Um, so, uh, as David mentioned in the course, we're integrating the hardware aspect uh, and, you know, trying to create these biolabs. Uh, I'm just going to show you um, the one assignment page that I had uh, where I created a, um, a, uh, an incubator, which uh, essentially uses a, a PID controller, pardon, a PID controller, solid state relay, um, I'm just going to quickly zoom through this. Uh, I'll show you the, the end product here on the left. Um, and, you know, you can use a microwave box to do it. And there you go. You can grow your, your bugs. Um, and let's see. Um, yeah, buying. I, you guys can, I'll share this um, PDF somehow. Um, and you guys can just click on these links. Um, this device here on the right, the Bento uh, box that's kind of like an integrated thing. It, it comes out of uh, the UK, and that's a pretty awesome uh, uh, kit that you might consider to if you have a bit of money to buy it, or you can make it. Uh, consumables. So this is all the uh, stuff that you go through and use. Some of it you can actually um, uh, recycle, like the glassware, uh, and there are a lot of different sources for it. Um, uh, I won't go through all that list. 
um, biomaterials. So this is your, your plasmid DNAs and enzymes. And of course, getting these things might be difficult depending on what country you live in. And so you guys have to um, uh, learn the rules for your country as to what you can bring in, what can uh, go in. I think um, with Bioacademy for the this fall course, we're kind of working on trying to get a package together. Um, an important one is this um, iGEMS, um, and basically they have this distribution kit that has a ton of different types of DNA that you can go in and have a look at. And um, uh, it's, I think it's uh, 500 US dollars, um, and you can get that, and you get all sorts of different things. So that might be a good thing for a fab lab to invest in. Um, Okay, so uh, what else? Um, uh, Kate just joined and is doing feedback. Okay, good. Okay. Go ahead. Bioservices. Bio okay, so um, basically these are companies that will allow you to either read DNA, write DNA, um, and you know if you are a bit more advanced, there are companies where you can actually synthesize peptides. These are all chemical synthesis. Um, the uh, writing of DNA, David kind of mentioned about, um, uh, there are two different versions of that. Um, one is just the uh, synthetic oligos or, or uh, primers that we use in a lot of experiments, and those are just short bits of things, and for maybe 10 bucks, you can get a 30-base single-stranded bit of DNA. You just basically give them your digital sequence. This is what's cool about synthetic biology, Submit your sequence over the internet, give them your credit card, and they'll send you back the DNA. And so um, the oligosynthesis is the small ones, and gene synthesis is the larger ones. And you'll learn more about this in Fab Academy. And um, yeah, in terms of the supplies, um, uh, let's see, you know, there are lots of different companies. Um, um, actually, uh, I'm going to go here. Uh, BioBasic is a Canadian company, but if we go to click on their distributors here, um, they actually have distributors all around the world, so you might want to look at, at them, uh, BioBasic.com. So we'll have to figure out how to get these slides around to people, um, and uh, I guess that's it. We we can um, we can share them if you send them to me, uh, Scott. I can like um, send them out to, to everyone to the list. Okay, cool. Um, and um, would you be okay if people can't see if they really be interested oh, yeah. in learning more? So you can you can send email. I'll send out email with slide address, and then people can find you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my email address is the bottom of this slide. Cool. Okay. So okay. Who's next? Thank you, Scott. Try again. Um, I'm unmuted, and can you hear me now? Okay, we hear you now. Um, you need to share your screen with the Hangout. Um, um, move yes, the I'm mouse. Here. Kate, if you move the mouse. Okay, there we go. Yep. Yep. Um, cool. So, I just picked a few slides from the class I'm teaching. I want to give you just a very brief overview of what the class is about. Um, so we're basically teaching a class about how to build a biological system from scratch, how to design a cell from non-living parts, and how to then do some interesting stuff with those cells. So what we're talking about here are those synthetic cells that are basically 
cell-like bioreactors that are made entirely in the lab from scratch. So they've never been alive and they're not descendants of line and line of other cells. We just take components, take whatever goes into a cell, and we put it together into a um, bioreactor that we call a synthetic cell that can make can do any function you want and can serve as whatever you want it to do. And so um, most of the class is ex explaining to people what can you do, what can you put in those synthetic cells, what are they made of. And so the thing about synthetic cells is that they can be made of whatever you want them to be made. Um, we usually use those liposomes, which are just lipids, bubbles basically compartments that encapsulate Sorry. whatever Can't. other yep. um I think the hangout just crashed. I I think we just lost all content in the hangout. Oh I I see it. Um is the hangout let me um hold on for just a I see it okay. Yeah. yeah um it doesn't work on the VNC. Yeah, no, the, the, it, it just died on the bridge. Let me, I'm going to disconnect and reconnect on the bridge. Uh, there's a Hangout scaling limit, and so um, bear with me for just a minute. What I'm going to do is the, I'm going to quit the principal connection. You may have to rejoin. Um, then I'm going to restart the Hangout. Um, I honestly don't uh, need those slides. I'm I'm sharing slides because why not? But they are okay. Um, let's give it just a minute to see if I can. Well, I, I think it's still it's still it might be useful to see those slides, Kate. Um, yeah. No, I'm going to be back in in a minute. It just looks like the the principal Hangout connection crashed, and I'm going to rejoin it. Um, Okay, I, I'm back in, and Kate, um, you're presenting again, so go ahead. Yep, I you're not sure? share my slides. Okay. Um, I am sharing this, and you should see it right now. Can you see it? Um, let's see, we're not getting screen sharing from you. Uh, green box on the left. Okay, now we've got it. Yeah, go ahead. I Yep. Okay. So, uh, Oscar, go ahead, Kate. What we can do is we can make fake cells, basically. And the whole class is focused on teaching people the possibilities. What can you do? And then making people to think, what would you personally like to do if you can make a cell from scratch? So we talk about important and most kind of ubiquitous function of most cells. So we we talk about making proteins inside synthetic cells. We talk about those, um, we call them cell-free protein expression systems. We talk about the technologies that are out there and what can you do, um, how could you make your own synthetic cell express different kinds of proteins depending on what would you like to do. Uh, we talk about ways of making um, synthetic cells talk to the environment. We talk about um, different kinds of membrane receptors, membrane channels that you can put into your synthetic cell and what you can do with it. So this is the technical part. Um, we basically try to give people an overview of how can you um, go about making that synthetic cell and how can you um, 
make it to design it so it performs the function you want. And then the second half of the class is what functions would those fake cells do? So we basically, we start with um, talking about why bother. We, there is this kind of a principle in biological research and in bioengineering that you can either do work in an in vitro system, which is very simple, well understood, but not really biologically relevant as much because you don't have as much complexity as a life cell. And then people work with life cells, which are hard to work with, and you have to have it from the perspective of, especially of the do-it-yourself biolab, you have to think about biosafety. For example, if you want to work with mammalian cells and the human cells, you have to have a certain level of BSL biosafety lab setup, which might be very difficult for kind of a garage lab. So we kind of pitched with Excel as kind of a happy middle, middle ground between in vitro simple research and the biological complexity found in natural cells. We talk about building those synthetic cells that are complex enough that we can make some biologically relevant processes inside them, use them as something that natural cell could also do, or something that can accurately represent what natural cells do. Um, but with the ease of use, with the cost of experiment, and with the biosafety considerations, similar as if you were doing just in vitro experiments. So basically, synthetic cells, because they're not alive, they're not they don't divide, so there's no biosafety considerations. We actually use that as an example for the biosafety class as well. Um, how would you design um, kind of a limiting uh, conditions for working with a synthetic cell? what kind of a DSL lab precautions you need for that. And that's especially important now that we know that some of the hacker bio communities are having um, problems uh, with some homemade uh, genetic engineering kits. Some governments don't like that. We would like to give uh, people a technology that doesn't have as many biosafety limitations as working with genetically modified bacteria or even higher cell, uh, higher cells like mammalian cells. So we talk about this. We we give people some examples of what synthetic cells can be used for, um, and that includes biomanufacturing. That includes um, talking to natural cells, kind of the uh, use synthetic cells as actuators uh, to translate signals from the environment into natural cells. Uh, we talk about building genetic circuits. That's something that I always always get a lot of questions from students. How could you use synthetic cells as a biological breadboard? Uh, because the, those systems don't have the limitation of natural systems. The synthetic cells don't have homostasis. They don't um, limit you in terms of what kind of genetic circuits you can put in them. So you can prototype relatively quickly. That basically the whole design to experiment to result iteration cycle of uh, genetic circuit design in synthetic cells takes about one day. If you do that in uh, bacteria, it takes about a week. If you do that in mammalian cells, it takes about two to three weeks. So we try to propose kind of a way of doing biological board. You can design your circuit, your biological circuit, and talk a little bit about biomarkers. Uh, this is kind of a rather emerging field now. Several biotech startups are trying to use this cell-free way of making proteins make biological products to make um, either small molecules or peptides that are really hard to do in uh, natural cells for various reasons. And even like um, I think uh, David mentioned ginkgo, um, even ginkgo is starting to use uh, this cell-free system to 
prototype and troubleshoot their um, assembly pathway just because it's much cheaper and faster to iterate. And then at the end um, of the actual class, we talk about the homework. And the homework is the really fun part. Students have to design their own synthetic cell, design the experiments that you would need to build it, to validate it, and most of all, pick a function. And this is where the really fun, fun part starts, because people have really amazing ideas. Some of the homeworks from, us, from the last year's course where people were designing biosensors. That seems to be the most common uh, idea uh, most students pick, biosensors, uh, either for detecting some kind of a pollutant or contaminant in the environment, or for detecting something that we want to know is in the sample in a simpler way than using classical um, analytical chemistry or classical biosensor bio methods. And so one of my favorites, not I shouldn't say favorite, but one of the really amazing examples of last year's course is someone designed a um, biosensor for an antibody biosensor to detect a um, compound in tomatoes that most people are allergic to. Because this guy happens to be allergic to raw tomatoes, so he designed a biosensor that he could use to test his food to make sure that, for example, there is not none, that particular protein that he's allergic to is not in your sample. And another really cool example that I um, really liked from the, that, I think that was a class, not last year, but a year before, was someone designed a mercury biosensor that also can be used for mercury remediation. So you not only detect mercury in the wastewater, but you can also sequester that mercury inside the synthetic cell, find it's a membrane encapsulated by a reactor, you can capture mercury and then you can pull out the biosensor slash little bioreactor traps from water. And so that way you don't only know you have mercury, but you, you're removing it with your synthetical technology. So basically the, the possibilities are, I don't want to say endless, but there's a lot of things you can do. And we're trying to teach students what can you do. We're trying to give you the boundaries of what is technically possible what people in the field are doing and what's possible to do with the current small biotechnics we have, and then just let you play with it and let you make your own synthetic cell, make it build your own cell from scratch and then use it for different things. Um, I think that's it. That's, that's great, Kate. Thank you so much. Um, and at the end, uh, we'll probably have time for some questions. So if you have any questions about this for Kate or for any of the other people who, who spoke, uh, do feel free to speak up at the end. Um, but now okay, I'd like thanks. to move on um, to Dave Casey and then to Roman Di Vosio, who both are students um, and who are going to talk a little bit about their experience. So, Dave, if you're ready. Uh, hi. Um, is my audio on? Yep. <clears throat> Go ahead, Dave. Okay. I, I apologize for the lack of video. Uh, my name is Dave Casey. I'm with a maker called Famulab. Famulab is short for 4AM iLab. Uh, it's a traditional hacker space, um, and uh, we've typically done things like Rubens tubes controlled by theremins out in the parking lot. Uh, we've got about 6,000 square feet in our warehouse, and uh, we've started one section which we're building out as a dedicated biospace. And so there's a few pictures of the evolution of the biospace. Um, and we've since then gotten a real biosafety cabinet to replace the fan blaster cabinet. So we've, we've built a lot of equipment along the way. And uh, that was what we called our cleanish box because, you know, it wasn't super clean, but it was cleanish. And it was actually good enough to 
get us going. Um, and here's a, I, I'm just going to kind of run through just a few random images of things that we did. Uh, this was a uh, shaking incubator, and I'm not sure how well that's going to, yeah, you're not really getting the motion on that. Um, but anyway, it moves around in a really nice orbital shaker inside our incubator. Um, we designed some uh, different different tubes to grow out bacteria. And uh, when you're growing out bacteria, you need to frequently take some take part of it out, put in this transparent cuvette, and then run it through a spectrophotometer. So we actually just put the cuvette in the lid of the tube so that we could save that transferring and potential contamination. And that actually worked out fairly well. Uh, as Scott mentioned, there's the iGEM Labs program. Uh, we just became members of that. And as you can see, we've uh, just got our shipment of DNA. There's just thousands of DNA parts in there that we're really excited that we're going to get to play with. Um, this is kind of our hello world in which we did a round trip where we took some DNA in plasmid form. Uh, plasmids being kind of like the USB drives of DNA, uh, inserted them into bacteria, grew that bacteria out, then extracted those plasmids, then inserted those plasmids into new bacteria. And as you can see there, uh, we actually did get fluorescence in the ones that got the plasmids in the upper left corner is the control, and the control works. Um, here's another shaking incubator. Here's another shaking incubator. Yeah, you're really not getting much of the video on that. I'm sorry. Um, we, we are seeing it shake. Okay, good. Um, uh, this was a exercise in which we were manipulating paramecia using elect electricity and brains. Uh, a really popular subgroup in our lab is the brain-computer interface group. So it was really interesting to actually be able to move these things around with the power of our mind. Uh, there's another image of our paramecia setup. Uh, this was a different shaking incubator that we got from our friends at BioCurious. They shipped it to us because they were getting ready to move. Uh, it was missing some bearings, so we ended up turning, get, getting better with our aluminum skills. So we turned some bearing holders on the lathe. We learned how to dissolve a broken off tap out of a piece of aluminum, and that was, that was a good learning experience. Uh, and now that's up and running. Uh, we fiddled around a little bit with uh, polyacrylamide and actually found that it has some kind of interesting properties in culturing bacteria and we're going to be investigating that a bit further. Uh, some of our folks are really into mycology so there's some kind of cool blue oyster mushrooms that are interesting for remediation. Uh, here's a gel electrophoresis rig which if all goes well we will be hopefully showing off in Santiago later this year. We'll see how that goes. Um, DNA barcoding is popular, so we had people just bring in pieces of their local flora and uh, fungi, and we did a extraction, uh, some gel electrophoresis, PCR, and then sent the samples off for DNA barcoding. Um, one of our members calls it barcode your lawn, and uh, that night we had some pretty, pretty good stuff. Uh, lots of folks are interested in things that glow. So these, this is Pyrocystis lanula. It's a glowing dinoflagellate. Uh, it really likes to grow in cooler water than we have in our lab. So uh, that's an ongoing challenge. Uh, there's some more of them. 
actually. I just wanted to try something. And I really liked it. But I had to go through like a few issues and uh, that was even more interesting. Because I wanted to set up a bio lab because if I want to make bio academy on the campus Paris Saclay, I need actually to offer a space to do it. So I had to go through safety uh, rules and uh, technical limits. Uh, how do I set up uh, a space for that? And uh, regulations, can I bring biomaterials in my building that is dedicated mainly to computing and things like that? And uh, I have to find the experts around. So I needed support, intellectual support, as well I, uh, as uh, advices and, uh, on many aspects. So I started a collaboration with an institute for plant sciences that is right in front of the Fab Lab. That allowed me to run the Bio Academy, more or less. It's hard sometimes. Uh, but we enjoyed it. And I had the, the chance to have, again, uh, one student this year who is uh, Brice, who took the class and has been doing a lot, like a, a good job. And uh, so I started to think that maybe this option of offering the class could be a way to extend the publics of the Fab Lab. I'm Fab Lab manager as well. So I started to have people interested in this kind of topics and on the link between digital fabrication and DIY biology. So this is mainly the, 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 the way I entered this class. So uh, like for many reasons, uh, I, I loved it. I, I love the microfluidics class uh, actually because it's really related to, to what we're doing in the Fab Lab, but we have to take that technology down to make it, like to be able to do it in the Fab Lab. And that's more or less one of my uh, objectives. And um, so we just registered the Fab Lab on the DIY bio list. So we're kind of a, like project. project. Oh, someone, okay, it's my eco. You're fine, go ahead. Okay. okay. So the diversity of publics at the FabLab Digiscope like, uh, drove me to develop uh, a speech in the FabLab. I always talk about both programs, Fab Academy and Bio Academy, and I explain how they work. And uh, it seems that it's, it's finding its way among the publics, and I think we have a great chance to develop something interesting. Um, so mainly in the FabLab, we start from the bottom and we go to the top building skills. So people start with nothing sometimes. They don't even know how to like uh, run a 3D printer or whatever. In the, in the biology and in the bio academy, it's kind of reversed. We start with something that is very high and we want to take it down to the wider uh, public and uh, to start giving again empowerment uh, through these processes of uh, synthetic biology or whatever uh, processes. Um, and then uh, to finish that point, uh, I've been working on uh, creating a diploma that would bring Fab Academy and Bio Academy together. This is what we call overlay. Oh, and uh, yes, Neil? A joint, a joint major. Yes, exactly. That's what, that's what I, I'd like to do. It's hard to do it because there is no format. That class would be run for one complete year 
because the academy starts, bio academy just stopped. So it's it's gonna be hard and but fulfilling, I think. Wow. And uh, that's it. <laughs> Very interesting. That's uh, that's great, Roman. And uh, you know, any any way we can help in building that 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 joint force would be interesting. Um, and Roma actually was the first working on the accreditation uh, that we also spoke about in the academic accreditation uh, a while ago. The idea of um, educational bodies accrediting these courses uh, beyond what you just built yourself. So it's very interesting to see how that ramps up. The other so thing I just sorry, I just learned from this session is the the Sabex meeting is the academy graduation. But these comments about showing stuff in Santiago, it's really also sort of the academy content meeting. It changes the FabEx meeting to recognize these growing sets of programs as part of the content of the meeting itself. I hadn't really registered that. I like it. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of a long project. Cause, and uh, the span of this project kind of uh, uh, overtakes my actual contract. So I'm going to have to fix that first and then keep going. Uh, can I ask a question? Um, Kate, can synthetic, will, will synthetic cells be able to reproduce themselves? Um, right now they cannot. We're working on it. I would like <laughs> them to. I would like to be able to build cells back into them. We have some ideas and we're definitely working on it. Right now they don't. And then, then the related question is what is life? I decline to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I actually so. have a whole proposal with like, um, what is it, 11 PIs right now um, on that very question of building a life-o-meter for extraterrestrial life detection missions, and we are spending a long time discussing what the hell are we looking for. <laughs> so that's, that's a good way to open up for more questions, if there are any, um, to either the students or the faculty. If, if questions aren't jumping out, let me start with one observation, which is the first few cycles of Fab Academy only had a few students, but every one of those students went on to become like principal architects of the growth of the program. So I just wanted to underscore in the exponential, it goes one, two, four, eight. The first few cycles don't have many people, but they have tremendous fan out. Just to underscore what I see is the importance of what you're doing right now. Hello, Neil. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, Mahavir from Indian Ashram. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was curious to know, given. The, yeah, so I was curious yeah, to know, sorry. given the high amount of precaution in disposal of these uh, hazardous elements in case they're involved in the running of a bio academy, and the cost of these sophisticated equipments and miscellaneous costs involved with the bio academy. Uh, I really want to understand what is it in for these fab labs to go all in in terms of investing into providing the bioacademy to their market. I mean, I mean, the institute-backed labs might find it easier, but uh, as far as these privately-owned fab labs are concerned, how will this uh, model sustain from an administrative point of view? Uh, 
So, yeah, Jean-Michel, I think it's a great follow-up question to put together a very precise, if you're a fab lab and you want to join, um, how much does it cost and regulatory, what do you need to do? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very good question. And the thing is that it's, it's as easy to answer as uh, how can I set up a fab lab locally, meaning there's a lot of complexity around it and really depends on the rules and the regulation systems close to you and locally for you. Uh, but when it comes in terms of equipment, for instance, what uh, David is also working on and, uh, and Thras is working on is creating a list of equipment that you can actually build yourself. So one of the ideas, you, you mentioned that there's a high cost for procuring um, very expensive equipment. Interestingly enough, the, the bulk of that you can actually make, make with your own fab lab. So as we go on in this process, it will be easier and, and more and more accessible to find the, the same information you have in your fab lab on how to make a machine, uh, on how to make machines for biology. We spoke with- So Joe, where, where uh, will that come out? Sorry, let's jump to, uh, is that gonna be through the bio.academy site, the guidance for prospective sites? Well, and the docs, so docs.academy.org has a, um, a list already of what kind of materials and, and mach machines you need. But let me um, suggest, um, sorry, Jean-Michel, let me suggest, I'm looking at the bio.academy. It talks about like content and application, but there needs to be like a top level. I want to join. I don't know if I can. What do I need to do to to participate? As a to-do, I think it'd be great to have a top level answer to the vegan ashram question. Sure, totally. That's a very good one. I'll, I'll work on setting that up. Um, but we, we, David and I spoke with George a while ago, and interestingly enough, he was complaining about how everyone seems to think they need very expensive equipment, and, and David, please chime on on this, and how he remembered basically doing all the stuff that his students are now doing in his kitchen. Um, and he was talking about making everything locally, and, and when he, he, he talks about that, like George wants to grow almost anything, right? So um, he also wants to grow the consumables locally. So ideally, Similarly to you, Neil, trying to boil down the Fab Academy components to just very few, ideally in the future, Bio Academy needs very few components that you buy, and the bulk of it you make, grow, and find locally. Yeah, so, I think I'll also add that... Oh, sorry, uh, if you can hear me, guys. When you go ahead, the, uh, When you look at the Fab Labs, you got pretty expensive equipment there, like a laser cutter. That's not cheap. Uh, nothing in a Bio Lab is going to be that expensive. Uh, so actually, basic biolab stuff, there's a lot of really creative people that are getting around uh, the commercial aspect of, of biolab components. So there's and sorry, a David, just to jump the web. Uh, a former uh, student, uh, Manu, sorry, I'm showing on the VNC, uh, a former student, Manu Prakash, showed how you can take a CD disc and pull it with a string and make a centrifuge that got surprisingly good results. Yeah, so, so all of that instrumentation, we're, we're, uh, we're going through the process of documenting and cataloging because um, a lot of people have built kind of different components of this larger ecosystem. And, you know, one of the big philosophies, especially for this year's How to Grow is, you know, how do we do the most cutting edge experimentation with the least cutting edge tools, right? So we really want to make sure that we lower the bar of access um, as, as much as possible 
And, uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think synthetic minimal salts is actually a great example where the actual biology is incredibly sophisticated, but the process for actually making the, you know, the in vitro transcription translation mix is actually really, really straightforward. So that's a great example where, you know, with very low cost, you can actually, uh, you know, kind of create this very sophisticated uh, cellular machinery that you can use your own lab. So that's, that's work that we're, uh, you know, continuously trying to document and, uh, and pull together and we'll, we'll uh, work, be working with our, our alumni from the past two years to continue you do this, Scott, and everybody else. So, um, so yeah. D David, just to unpack that a bit, one of sure. the most mechanically important parts of the growth of Fab Labs is is the inventory spreadsheet that says this is what you need to be a Fab Lab, and it the point of that is it's very very carefully curated in this moving window of best practices that encompasses everything you need. So you just sort of push go and do that. And I think you know, the the difference between sort of a hundred and a thousand is that ability to scale with with the sort of scalable curated template. Um, yeah, that's, no, no, that's I definitely really important agree. Part. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, it, that's part of what's so exciting, too, because there are, uh, there are so many folks working on that, that creative aspect. And, and, you know, I think we're, we're, we are, we're really uniquely poised to, uh, to drive a lot of that, particularly given the curriculum that we have, which is, you know, really kind of at the forefront of biotech. So, so, uh, so that's kind of our goal is, is, is let's develop this amazing inventory with great instructional tools and infrastructure uh, to execute the most advanced biotech curriculum in the world. That's great. We're over time. Any final thoughts? The course is awesome. Do it. <laughs> what, a, what a great way to end. And information at bio.academy.org. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank Bye. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye.